Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. I pray that we would understand it, Lord. I pray that uh, your spirit would apply it into our hearts and that, God, you would do a work in us. Lord, we need to realize that uh, you are near. Lord, you are the one who answers us when we call. Lord, if we look with faith to you. So, Lord, I, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you love us beyond what we could ever imagine. And again, I pray that your spirit would apply this word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Looks like uh, some people are taking advantage of the three-day weekend, maybe. A few less today. Well, last week, Chris gave us some great historical background on the book of Mark, on that gospel. And I just wanted to add a couple of reasons why we can trust the veracity, that truthfulness of the gospel, this gospel of Mark and the other gospels. You may not know that 150 years ago, it was confidently asserted that the Gospels were written not before the the second century A.D. But over the past century, the evidence has become overwhelming that the Gospels were written much earlier. And so we can trust them that much more, trust that they are Reliable. In fact, one prominent Bible scholar, his work reveals that what is more believable is that the accounts of the people who were healed, the people who, or the person who carried Jesus' cross, and those who walked and talked with Jesus, they would publicly repeat those incidents in great detail. And, and doesn't that make sense? I mean, if Christ did these things, healed people, set them free, from oppression of demons and and did these miraculous works, wouldn't you think people would repeat those things over and over again? And for decades, these eyewitnesses told stories of what happened to them. And of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote down these accounts. And so we have what we call the Gospels. One of the things that makes this Gospel so believable is that here you have Peter, right? He's the eyewitness. He's the one who's giving... Most of these accounts to Mark, and he doesn't neglect to put in there his his failure of betraying the Lord. Right? He denied Jesus three times, which is an embarrassing thing, especially for the pillar, one of the pillars of the church, Peter. He's this this uh, great leader in the church, and yet we see him as a colossal failure in. The Gospels, but that's not by accident because it's an important part of the story, right? That's what makes the Bible so believable. All the heroes of the Bible are shown with all their blemishes, all the things that they did wrong, right? Because it's not about the person, it's about the God who can call this person from darkness to light, give him new life. And so how do we gain a proper perspective on life as 
spiritual and physical. I often think about that myself. What I mean by that is there is this spiritual world, right, that we can't see. But in fact, it's real. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. So how do I live in this body? How do I live with a greater awareness of that reality? The reality that's all around me. Right? And, and the Gospels themselves are, again, a way of tearing open this world to heaven. And seeing that there is not just the physical, but there are spiritual things happening all the time, even though we don't see them. Well, let's take a look again at at this good news about the king who's come to change how we think about reality, to give us a new reality, to open our eyes to the unseen world. Again, let me read from Mark 12 and 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, speaking of Jesus And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Last week we heard that announcement, right, from the Father. This is my beloved Son, right? That veil again is torn open and you hear the Father speaking from heaven, the Spirit descending on the Son. But now comes the hard part, right? Now begins the real ministry of Christ. He's driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. And the battle begins. And for 40 days, Jesus is tempted. From the Gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus is tempted to go His own way, right? The seemingly easy way. And forget about that cross. Enjoy the lust of the eyes of the flesh, the pride of life, but... Christ would have none of that. He's sinless through and through. And he could see past the lies of the evil one. Do we see past those lies? These days, many people don't believe in a literal devil. Because of science, more people deny the fact that there is a real enemy. One who is after our soul. One who desires to capture us. And lead us into darkness. Mark treats Satan as a reality. And we have to deal with that reality. He is not a myth. He is one who works to destroy your life. And one who works to deceive you. To make you think that God himself is not who he claims to be. That this Bible is not what it claims to be. In this world there are evil forces that they are working against us. We see that here in the gospel. And we'll see it over and over again. The lie that, spoke, that uh, Satan spoke to Adam and Eve is still the lie we believe today, right? We really can't trust God. God's holding back on us. There's something out there that's better than God. Something that will give me more pleasure than to know this God. But we know from the gospel of Matthew... That Jesus took God at his word. That was the only way he could stand against him. Unlike Adam and Eve who believed that lie. 
who grasped at something they thought maybe was better, right? Because they saw, they perceived with their own eyes. They decided for themselves what was good rather than being dependent on God. Of course, Jesus knew firsthand how wonderful the love of God had been for all of eternity. That love that made him choose to become a man and be tempted for us to take on that trial so that we could have that victory over Satan. As a man, as the last Adam, as some would call him, he makes it possible for us to receive from the Father those words that are spoken over the Son. You are my beloved Son, He says. And in Christ, we can have those words spoken over us. You are my beloved child, my son, my daughter, the one in whom I am well pleased. It's not by the work that I do, the the wisdom that I have, the goodness of all my work, but it is that I'm in the Son that God loves me. Jesus won that battle not by trusting his flesh, but by trusting the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was fully human there. He wasn't using his prerogative of deity to come against the devil. He was dependent on the Spirit and on the Word to give him truth, a foundation that he could stand on. And as the last Adam, he walked in perfect righteousness so that by faith, we could partake in that great exchange, right, that Chris mentioned last week. The great exchange from 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. As I put my faith in God, He gives me the righteousness of Christ. He takes my sin from me. And we can either be partakers in that exchange or we can take the exchange from Romans 1, right? That even though they knew God, they they accepted the lie and and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. God, there's only one of two ways to go. Either you will submit to God, seek Him and His offer to exchange your sin for His righteousness, or you will go your own way. You will make your own God, one in your own image, one that you can shape and mold and make the way you desire Him to be. You know, the greatest temptation, though, I think these days isn't faced for us a lot of times in that, in the literal wilderness, right, where we're hungry and we're thirsty. They come to us in the movie theater or in front of the TV. Every day we're told that life is about whatever makes you happy, that gives you pleasure. So we watch movies about romance and think that this is what life is about, this feeling inside, and that real love looks boring. Who wants faithfulness? And someone who will keep their promises when you can have pleasure instead for the moment. See, we trade the richness, the the lasting faithfulness of God and His promises for the cheap thrills of the moment. And that can happen in a variety of ways in front of that screen. As you're, as you're told what reality is from that movie screen. 
And we need to know that temptation comes to deceive us into letting our guard down, into believing that life is just about the physical world and about feeling good. And if you're not feeling good, then you must not be where you're supposed to be. And it's time to get out. Well, here's something that caught my eye here as I I continue to read this passage. Verse 14 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee. What I thought was interesting about that, here, here it looks like the same thing's happening to John, right? I mean, he was there. He heard the voice too. That veil was ripped open and he had a chance to see and to hear that his mission was fulfilled. Here, here I'm baptizing Jesus. And then John gets placed into prison and he begins to doubt, right? From the book, again, of Matthew, we learn that that he sends his disciples, hey, go uh, ask Jesus uh, if he's the one. What do you mean, is he the one? You just baptized him, not 40 days before. You heard the voice. And that tells me I shouldn't be surprised when that doubt comes into my heart. I didn't hear that voice. I didn't see what happened that day. There are many things I didn't see in the Bible. But it it sounds like from this story, it doesn't matter. Even if I was there to see it, the doubt will still come. The evil one is there to place that deception in my heart. And maybe even John doubted the love of God in that moment, right? What am I doing here, God? You know, I fulfilled the mission you gave me. You know, what did, what did he do for those 40 days? Like, yeah, all right, I'm done, you know. It's good. And then it says, of course, before, right? Now John was arrested, right? Then Jesus came preaching. He doesn't even get to see him preach, it sounds like. He gets thrown in prison. But in the midst of the doubts, The good news is still the good news. The good news is about repentance. About seeing the world the way God has explained it is. Right? We don't see it that way. Because we're blind to those things. But the gospel begins in your heart through repentance. It begins with repentance. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is what the Bible says. You need to realize that. You're sinful. That that sin is drawing you away from God. To convince you that you have a better way than God has. But if you haven't come to that place of repentance, then you need to turn to God. Turn away from that sin. Turn away from your own way and turn toward God. And by faith alone, not by work, can we become children of God? Can we be adopted into His family? Nobody is a child. That's one, thing, one of the things the culture says, right? You, everybody's a child of God. Well, you are in the sense that He created you, but you're not in the sense that He personally loves you and you are His beloved because you have been cleansed from sin. And in the Son, you are His beloved son or daughter. So we need faith. And we are adopted by God. 
And we demonstrate that adoption by our obedience of faith. We learn that at the end of Romans, the last few lines. That if I truly believe, that if I have faith in God, then I will desire to obey Him. The Spirit will come in and will give me a desire. Even though I will fail at times, there will be things that plague my mind and heart. But there will be a conviction there that tells me when something is wrong. And the Spirit Himself will lead me to repentance. And so if you haven't done that, I would urge you to do that. Repent and believe the good news. The King has come to set you free from the slavery of sin, from the deceitfulness of sin that would entice you, that would give you reasons to doubt the love of God and His goodness. The Christian life continues, though, with repentance. It doesn't stop there. This, these words are, in this text, a present, active, continual repentance and belief. So I, I, I think back to when I repented and believed. But I also think back to how many times I failed. How many times that, that the sin overcame me. But God is merciful, right? I acknowledge my sin. I turn from it. And I turn to God. So where are you tempted? Where are you tempted not to believe the good news? That's not good news. The world's still the same out there. Maybe you want to turn from Jesus. Start living your own way. Or maybe have a little Jesus and mix it in with the other things in this world. Improve on Jesus a little bit. Don't take Him so literally. Maybe this Christian life isn't what you thought it was going to be. It's not giving you that happiness that you thought you were going to have. Maybe you believe the cultural lies. The culture that believes the Bible is outdated and that you need to embrace other forms of truth, other forms of how sexuality is defined maybe as homosexuality and as that is a legitimate form of love. You know, maybe Fifty Shades of Grey isn't so bad after all. Right? If you don't know what Fifty Shades of Grey, it's a, it's a movie that's come out recently. I haven't seen it, but it glorifies sexual violence and abuse, which is the antithesis, the opposite of the love of God. Have you embraced these things in the culture and tried to Christianize some things? Maybe you do believe that lie. That life is about pleasure, sexual pleasure or the pleasure of money or power rather than love. This article I posted on, on Facebook uh, the author is responding to this Fifty Shades movie. And I think he does an awesome job of it. Uh, he gives ten things. I'm not going to give you all ten. I'm just going to give you one of them because uh, I, I think it's so powerful. And uh, you know, maybe because this one 
I could see myself in it, walking this walk. And so he highlights the difference between true love and the lie that the culture would have us believe about sexuality. And here's what he said, those who choose to see less today will see more forever. You hear that? You choose to see less today, more you'll see forever. And, and in that sense of the, the impurity that you're allowing into your mind, see less of that impurity, the more you will see forever. Why? Well, you base that on, on Matthew 5, 8, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See God. See, there are things, he says, things we see and indulge in this life that blind us. Blind us to who God is. Right? There's images we take in to our minds and our hearts, and they blind us to the goodness of God. They make us think that those things are, are the good things in life. There's nothing more spectacular, he says, and satisfying than seeing and enjoying God. I, I, would, I would affirm that, but, but I would say that I, I didn't experience that right away. You know, God is not someone I can order around and tell him what to do, right? Hey, God, you gave me a feeling over here this one Sunday, but that other Sunday, it wasn't that good, so, you know, maybe you're not there anymore. You know, I can't order God when to make me feel good and not feel good. Because we so quickly and cavalierly trade that experience, the experience of God for 125 minutes or less of this titillation, right? This, this little bit of thrill. And every time we expose and entertain ourselves with impurity, we're sacrificing our awareness and knowledge of the highest goodness. God, God is the highest goodness. He defines what is good in my life. And if I can embrace that, then my life is richer, fuller. If I can embrace the fullness of His majesty, the great that He has the greatest love that anyone could ever experience in their life. Again, I could say these things, but if you don't embrace it and, and, and trust God, that's what faith is. Trust God. Well, I don't feel it. Trust God. I don't see it. Trust God. And as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. right? I look back in my life at the times when I could have just said, hey, that's, that's enough for me. And I do remember those times. I remember one time in particular. I was, uh, I think I've shared it, shared it here before, but I was debating with my uh, friend of mine, I should say. I've I got to stop using specifics because this goes on the web, so somebody might <laughs> listen and, oh, that's me, <laughs> you know. So a friend who I was debating with, and uh, he was trying to tell me that, you know, you can't trust the Bible, you know, and he's asking me all these questions, and, and I didn't know all these answers, you know, so I'm, I'm sucking down a few brews with him, you know, and I'm feeling a little cocky, 
And I'm like, hey, I can trust this Bible, you know. So I start lying about things, you know, <laughs> just making stuff up. You know, I want to win the argument, right? And, uh, <laughs> of course, I get up the next day, I feel horrible, you know. I feel guilty, and, and what a horrible example that was, you know, when I'm driving. And I'm thinking, am I believing what's true? Because things are starting to get difficult. And uh, some of my actions seem to be out of my control. And uh, God, you said that if I repent and believe, that you take care of me. Why am I doubting? Why has fear gripped my heart? And so I prayed and asked God, God, will you show me that the word is true? I can trust you with my life. That life was hard before you came and delivered me. And that if it's still supposed to be that way, but at least I could know that this is true and that I'm not just making this up. And so I prayed, I asked God to give me some, some evidence, you know. I just want some evidence. I just want to believe that what I believe is true. And, and of course, I, I stopped by a Christian bookstore. I got this book. It was, it was called Letters to a Skeptic, and, and so it, it had all those questions, you know, that my brother-in-law was asking me. That's one thing about the Christian faith. There's, there's really no question that, that it has not been asked. Why? Because it claims so much that if it's true, man, it asks so much of me, so I've got to come against it. I've got to say, no, you can't trust this. And so every question that has ever, I think, been Asked, has been asked of the Bible. I mean, it's been put through so much scrutiny, right? And so as I read this book, man, my heart was filled because there was truth there, there was evidence there, there was reasons to believe and not just have a faith that's just kind of in whatever, you know, a feeling that I have inside. Because, again, I wasn't feeling too good at that time. So if it's about a feeling, I'm out of here. If it's about just feeling good, but it isn't just about that. It's about the truth that you need to surrender to, no matter how difficult the feelings may be coming against that. This author ends like this. Don't, do not be fooled. We're paying far more than the cost of that overly priced movie ticket when we dip into impurity. Right? Sin, as one man said, Always costs you more than you ever thought you would have to pay. Better to trust God. Better to turn from evil things. Whatever God defines as evil, that's what I call evil. Whatever God defines as good, that's what I call good. And I need to trust. 
And God, over and over and over again in my life, has shown me that to be so true. Right? There's no movie that I can exclude myself from if I think that it's going to put doubt in my mind about who God is, about the reality. Because again, the movie can just suck you in and make you think that it's, that it's good, that it's true. That this is real love that you're seeing here. These two people that you followed around with a camera and watched them for a while. Don't you think that's kind of, I think that's kind of weird sometimes, you know. I mean, th- think about, you know, hey, let, me, let me replay a scene for you, right. These, there's this couple. They're on the ship. You know, they're hanging out together. Obviously, they love each other a lot, right. They really or enjoy each other's company. They're kissing and hugging. And enjoying the weather, you know. And then you follow them, you know. Just, just go follow them for a while. And they, they go, they, they uh, get to this garage area, and there, there's some cars there. So they hop in the car, you know. And all of a sudden, the wee- window starts steaming up, and you're walking around the car. And uh, it's like, who does that? Well, perverts do that. But you're doing that in the movie. That's from the Titanic. <laughs> and you're just sitting there watching. Ooh, this is really interesting. <laughs> you're a pervert. You're watching what you're not supposed to be watching. But the movie sucks you in, and you can detach yourself. Oh, it's just a movie. No, you're a pervert. You're watching something that, I mean, in the old days, you know, of course, they'd, the couple would, you know, obviously liked each other. As soon as the door closed, it's done. They wake up the next day. There they are. Well, we can figure out what happened after that, okay? <laughs> we don't need to go into the bedroom and stand there and watch for a while. Okay, go. Just keep going. All right. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're doing in the movie theater, right? <laughs> it is. You don't realize it, but that's exactly what you're doing. You're being sucked into that. crazy. But you need to repent. Repent and believe the gospel. That God is good enough that these images of supposed love and pleasure will never fill you to that overflowing that that Christ had. Right? Christ didn't do any of those things when he came. He was perfect, sinless, and he enjoyed the love of the Father who spoke over him those words of love, the spirit that descended on him that gave him the power to resist See, that is the love we can enjoy for eternity. And so we need to repent from those things. And we see that and we, we, we think in our minds, you know, yeah, this is what love's about. Rather than about an eternal thing. We need to believe that life is about more than the physical state of affairs. That there's a spiritual battle raging around us. Around you, around me, for your soul. What is it that you are taking in that is destroying your soul? Depleting the vision of God that you can have and that God wants for you. So will you repent today? Whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time, repent. Believe that Jesus is our only hope. Right? That He fills Every relationship I have is better because of Him. My marriage is better because of Christ. My parenting is better because of Christ. My being a neighbor, my loving people around me is better because of Christ. It's not because I'm so wonderful. It's because He is. And He's changing me inside, molding me and shaping me. And, And part of the journey is my failure to see that. But God embraces me 
loves me. The love of the Father, the Son, the Spirit is offered here today to us. Not just in this moment, but moment by moment, God is there for us. If we would just see that reality, right? It's Again, through this gospel, we're going to see that veil torn open. We see what God has done. Can we receive that? Believe it. Repent from those things we think the world is like. Return again to the Savior. Believe the good news of the King. The King's come, right? He's come to rule. His kingdom is now. And it will never end. He's the Savior alone. He is Lord of all. Will we submit to that Lordship? Will we enjoy the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? Will we embrace that? I pray that you will. Let's pray. Father, we need you. God, we need to see you, God, as you are. We, Lord, repent from those things that would distract us of your love, Lord, how you have defined it, how it is pure and holy, is faithful and true, that it keeps its promises no matter what the feelings inside, God. Your love is for eternity. And God, we need you to place that inside our hearts, that we repent of anything that would distract us of that love, Lord. Anything that would make us judge you for who you are and refuse to submit to you, God. Teach us your word, God. Let us depend on it as Jesus did when he walked the earth. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.